0: Hello, and welcome to The Benevolent Disruptor. It's a podcast about disruption, disruption to your organization as you seek higher levels of agility, but benevolence, where you see kindness as being critical to your change process. In the podcast, we'll talk about getting a agile system to perform whilst reconnecting your people to purpose. Hello, and welcome to The Benevolent Disruptor. My name is Niall McShane. I am the founder and principal consultant at sourceagility.com.au. And today we've got our special guest, Daniel Hill, who will be joining us, who, like myself, is an agile coach, a change agent, and practitioner out doing the work of transforming organizations. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me, Noel. So now that I've got another person to talk to in this podcast, as opposed to me just monologuing, as in previous podcasts, I can have a bit of a chat about what it means to experience an end-to-end transformation. Dan, uh, how many have you been through? Oh, look, I'd say I'm probably on number four. Number four, Mm yeah. Yeah. So myself, probably quite similar, and some of the work Dan has done, like myself, has involved tens of thousands of people, very, very big systems of work. So I am hoping that if we have an executive or a sponsor of a change program listening today, that you will take away some nuggets, some real insights from the chat we're going to have, uh, which essentially takes someone who's working at the coal face with the frontline workers or staff. Uh, and we've got Dan here today who can share wisdom and stories from the experience of those people as they go through an agile change or transformation program. And really that's what we're going to draw upon today. It's to give you an insight as an executive about what's really happening at the coal face through these large change programs. So Dan, after four of these, what would be the one or two things you would want to say to an executive who's standing if you like on the precipice of just about to pull the trigger on a change program? What what would be some of the what would be your top top
1: thing you'd want to communicate to them? Uh I think the top thing for me is um for executives I think you might believe that that you've really laid out your vision uh, about what you want the organization to look like. Um, but what I think you need to consider is <clears throat> people at the coalface, as we've called it today, they're really hungry, hungry to hear more about um, what, what your vision really is and connecting that uh, to the strategy. And then what part do I play is probably the number one question that people have how does my work relate to what you're talking about, um, as well as the second part, which is how is this change going to affect me?
0: yeah yeah
1: and I think um
0: executives and visions and missions and strategies and purpose statements are uh, they're all published, and they get sent out to the press and They go on the shiny, glossy brochures and the websites. But I think, Dan, connecting the why, in other words, why does this organisation exist? What is the purpose it's trying to fulfil? Connecting that to what's happening on the ground is going to be the theme that I'd like to tease out today. This idea of how can agility enable an organisation to fulfil its purpose and execute its strategy? And what would be the top tips uh, or some of the really key things we believe that an executive would need to consider as they head, head off on this journey towards changing the way they work? So Dan and I, we were talking just before this podcast around the hearts and minds of people and the difference between the two. And we were trying to come up with a measure or or a metric that would indicate exactly what what the result or outcome would be or the benefit would be if we can win the hearts of people i think I think what Dan was saying just before was we can articulate our strategy, and it all makes sense on paper but when it comes down to an individual person, how do we win them over and I think it comes down to, we, we hear about this term called engagement. Dan, what's your experience with measuring staff or workforce engagement as they
1: head into a, a significant change program? Uh, often at the beginning, you'll, you'll have an excitement period. Um, you may have um, some people looking for the fact that something is changing, um, but then within the first few months, um, you can have that sense of, trepidation can come in yeah. um, and <clears throat> you can have people worried about even their own pro- productivity dropping and what that yeah. might mean. Yeah. A yeah. lot of people pride themselves on getting stuff done um, and that slowing down to speed up or taking time to reorganise ourselves might mean that we're not able to go as fast as we used to go for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so we, I often call that the paying the cost of change, which is disruptive. And it's interesting because I often hear, I don't know how many times I've, I've heard it, and if you're an executive listening to this, if you start using language or metaphors like, oh, we, we have to continue riding the bike as we fix it. Personally, I wouldn't want to be riding a bike as I'm trying to fix it or flying along in a plane while we're upgrading the engines. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that language is still used and uh, you're right, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek. Yep. Now, tongue-in-cheek can be helpful and I think um, executives that do have a sense of humour and I do have a sense of humanity, fantastic, but if people do get the sense that, um, that we are flying the aeroplane whilst building it, that can be pretty scary yep. um, because you then start to think, well, what kind of landing like that plane yeah. crash landing. Yeah. Uh and what kind of experience is it going to be when the wind's going at five hundred miles an hour into my face because there's no windscreen.
0: Yeah. And I suppose it's hard to win the hearts of people because it's pretty scary undertaking when there's no there's no let up on having to deliver and it's just go, go, go.
1: Yeah, I think you'll often find you'll have incredible people at the front line that care deeply about maintaining service. So a lot of industries that we're in are fundamental to our society. So it's our ability to communicate, to feed ourselves, um, to, to live as a functioning society. And people in technology particularly will feel like they are helping to to make the wheels turn for keeping the lights on. Right. Literally keeping us all going. And so they take great pride in that. And so you want you want those people in those type of roles. Um, but they can be shaken by change. Change, yeah. So, Dan, uh, we had a talk prior to coming on about a, a story
0: from a utility, a water company that you wanted to share around what it means to win the hearts as well as the minds of people during a change program. Did you want to talk a little bit about that story?
1: Yes. So in the, in the water business, you know, it's about providing clean, safe water and reliably to all of us, so we all know what it's like to to be without water at home even for two hours mm. can totally disrupt your ability to live. Mm. Um, so those those principles at a very high level are, are wonderful ones that can then get into the heads and hearts of people on the front line.
0: Was that their mission statement or what was that
1: those words? it's It's their reason for being right. Purpose, um, organisational purpose. It's the organisational purpose. So linking that through to strategy. So in a technical sense, um, having reliable systems was right. directly directly linked to, to the organization's mission. Having a clean and safe and reliable way to deliver software then right. yep. a, a leap that wasn't too far okay. to make. Um, so one of the other <clears throat> elements was, you know, the... The, the nickname or the, the team was about rapid asset delivery. Right. So baking in rapid delivery into the identity of the actual people as well right. was a way for them to belong to something yep. that was meaningful. <clears throat> and and how did you know that you would won them over
0: from the cha- in, in terms of the change program? How do, you, how do you know you had the hearts as well as their minds?
1: So when we were trying to do things uh, in a new way or a different way, we were able to, to get people to take risks that they weren't used to taking. So in particular, we were able to automate refunds, which, um, you know, for normal business, you might say refunds, that's not that interesting. But for, for a government-owned entity, yep, um, that was a big deal. Giving clean, safe, reliable refunds <laughs> oh, right, yeah. is another um, another thing that says that we're meeting our mission. Now, we can do clean, safe, reliable refunds in an 18-month program, can't we not? Mm. But we managed to do a six-week cycle because we uh, embraced some agility techniques. Cool. So we did a Canary release and we even had, and this is, Back to your question: How do we know that the heads and hearts of the people at the yep. front line were into it? Yep. They were our canaries for our refunds. Right. They used the, the the system first, so they got refunds through this system for their real water accounts. Wow. Um, so that was a way for for them to live and breathe what it meant to be to be the customer, to be the the water user who was getting their refunds. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to then,
0: I'd like to move us on to this idea of engagement because often the work we do, Dan, when we're we're with the workforce is taking health checks, pulse checks, surveys to to take the temperature, if you like, of the people that are undergoing the change. And a large part of the work we do, what we're responsible for doing is to maintain um, appropriate levels or even increase engagement of the workforce. Post COVID, we've we've seen the impact of high mobility in the workforce. People are suiting themselves a little bit more, I think it's fair to say, in terms of the, the, the conditions upon which they'll accept employment. Um, what what are you what, what are your contribution to that? What what
1: thoughts have you got on that? So we talk a lot at the front line about teams self- measuring their happiness right their happiness about the way that they work with each other so we're changing the way that they work with the way that they interact yep. maybe the way that they visualize their work yep. all the things and what we're doing there is we're trying to get a leading indicator of you know how happy are these people because if we wait to find out when they leave yeah that's far too the late
0: you know they're not happy then don't you?
1: <laughs> yes and so you know, some of the innovations that I know of going around are things called stay interviews. So forget your exit interviews, yeah, people. Yeah. Stay interviews is where it's at. You interview your people now and say, why are you staying? That's awesome.
0: There's a great tip. So so if you're thinking about embarking on a change program and you start to embed these these new processes or practices around asking people why they're staying, it'll give us... I suppose it would give you an indication of how connected they are to the purpose of the change, the purpose of the organisation. Yeah. So we've got a few more minutes left. Let's, Let's pick up this idea of where we need to point our microscope for the system because we're changing a system of work when we undergo a transformation or an agile change program. And I think if you're a, a sponsor or an executive or, or, or even if you're a leader in a large system of work, where you focus your attention as you go through the
1: change is is pretty important. Dan, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I like to talk about it um, using an, a bit of an analogy. So if you imagine a factory, so we might think let's let's try and measure the performance, the output of our factory. So we want to get some goods in we do some value add and then we get the goods out the other side um, we might decide we'll, we'll point the microscope the stopwatch at the individual so we'll, we'll, we'll choose the person at the end of the production line we'll notice this person is sitting around waiting 90 percent of their time only working 10 percent of the time and we might say well that person's you know not not paying what they're worth they're not producing enough and we might decide to move them on or even look and put them on performance management. Um, and I think that's a trap that can, can happen where so you so point. So zooming
0: right in on a particular
1: or process. Yeah. So zooming out, looking from the, from the very top of the factory, you might be up on the, the, the top level. You might see the whole production line and you might realise that we've got a stack of inventory at the front door. We've got broken machinery in the middle. We've got disorganized teams doing things in the wrong order. There's waiting time all up and down the production line, and there's only a dribble of stock that possibly so the, the, the ability to
0: get up on the balcony and look down on the system, if you like, taking a system view of it.
1: Yeah. So you look at the system and the flow of value, and you know, in lean manufacturing and in those places that those things have been happening for many decades. Yep. Uh, the Are challenge. Are you really
0: not seeing that in your work, though? Are you seeing people? looking too too small in their focus too narrow
1: i think occasionally you can have um the lens go away from the system towards the the people right um or where it becomes a if something bad happens do we blame the person or do we blame the system so another classic case of that would be workplace safety right if you you know did a root cause of you know why did someone get hurt you might start pointing fingers at people right but i think we've grown beyond that in the last few decades to really consider systemically what leads to someone getting hurt at work and it's more than just blaming the last guy
0: yeah and before this podcast dan and i were saying um because dan and i both mentor and lead teams of of agile coaches or change agents and we're trying to really strongly encourage these uh, change agents to take this system's view right at the start of an engagement and step back or get up on the balcony and, and give people like yourselves who are listening to this some data to say, okay, in this system, where is it blocked? In this system... What are the two or three, if you like, deep leverage points that we need to resolve or work on to really get flow of value through that system going? So, you know, Dan and I strongly believe that anyone thinking or considering a change process for agile must get up onto the balcony and get some data on what's going on to visualize the system rather than just throwing an agile framework at it. Understand your system first. Um, understand where the waste or blockages might be. So we're almost at time, Dan. But let's let's maybe just recap on some of the I suppose the top three tips here when we talk about connecting people to purpose, winning their hearts and minds, uh, not zooming in too tightly on individuals, but stepping back and looking down from the balcony. Um, you got any final thoughts on those three things there, Dan?
1: Probably the pattern that I can see here is that, you know, we we start with the question of are our people engaged with our mission? And we believe that engaged people are more productive and I'm sure that there's data out there that can prove that. Yep. Yep, yep. I often talk with my rule of thumb, I say, if we
0: can win the hearts and minds, we'll tap into what I call their discretional effort. You know, that extra little bit of, effort they can they can spend they don't have to spend it but they will spend it if they're engaged in the mission um, or the purpose of the organization
1: and on that note we, we need to be checking regularly about their happiness because we don't want to wait until people are leaving um, as you've lost their mind and, their heart them. By them. and another another trap that we we would warn about is yeah pointing the microscope at people can definitely be uh, a trigger for, for that unhappiness and poor outcomes as well. Well, thank you very much for your insights from the coalface
0: there, Dan. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure having a chat. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Benevolent Disruptor. My name is Niall McShane, and you can check out more on these topics and other things at sourceagility.com.au. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.